Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. In many ways, this, this art of shepherding is a lost art form. It's something that we don't see. It's something that we honestly, surprisingly, like, we shouldn't know about. Like, we shouldn't know about shepherding because it's something that's not seen, not practiced, not experienced anywhere in the West. And sure, we, we have farmers who own sheep, but they also own a whole bunch of other animals and they provide for a bunch of other animals. And so they're a shepherd in some ways, but this is kind of like art uh, is shepherding. We don't really know a whole lot about, or we don't at least experience, but yet in some way, if you go out into the world and you ask somebody, hey, do you know what a shepherd is? They're like, yeah, they take care of a sheep and they like watch over them and they're kind of like nomadic. I mean, somehow we have been able to preserve this idea of what a shepherd is. And I think the reason why we've been able to, to kind of preserve this idea around what a shepherd is, and I'm not saying this is the only reason, but I think one of the strong reasons why we've been able to preserve this idea of shepherding is because God reveals himself to his people as a shepherd, and that we as his people and as the church have preserved this. Not only have we preserved this idea of God as shepherd, but we have experienced God as shepherd in our lives, and we have testified to it, and we've bore witness to it. And so we talk about God as shepherd, and I think that our ideas of what a shepherd is, is have influenced, have been influenced by our ideas and experiences about who God is, and I think about how our experience of who God is has experienced our ideas of shepherd. And so somehow, in some ways, this idea of shepherding, even though it's not seen, it's not practiced, it's not really done at all in the West, somehow you ask almost any kid what a shepherd is, they're going to be able to tell you. And that's pretty amazing that we have been able to continue to bear witness as a community, as a people of faith, to this truth that God is our shepherd. And so since we know what a shepherd is, I want to ask us this morning, I want us to participate a little bit. What do we know about a shepherd? What is it that we know? Since we don't experience it, since we don't see it all the time, yet we do know about it, what is it that we know? And I want to hear some things around a shepherd that we kind of know to be true about a shepherd and the profession and art that is shepherding. So, or at least what do we think we know? What, what's going on? What's a shepherd do? They work outside. They work outside. <laughs> yeah, kind of all the time. Yep. What else goes on with the shepherd? They get dirty. They get really dirty. Absolutely. They scare off the scary animals. That's awesome. Yes, they do. They protect the sheep from their predators. What else does a shepherd do? They lead the sheep to new pasture. Yep. What else does a shepherd do? They keep track of them. Yes. Yep. Yep. So they make sure that the sheep have kind of stay all together and that no one wanders away. What happens if they wander away? They go get them. They go get them. What else does a shepherd do? Anything else? They carry a staff. Yeah, they've got some tools. They've got, they've got a staff. They've got a rod. They got that shepherd's hook. Yep. Yep. <laughs> get that sheep back in line. They pick sheep back up when they fall down. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple things. You guys have named a lot of true and good things about a shepherd. A couple things that uh, I have noted here on shepherd is that they're nomadic. And Jess kind of pointed that out, that they lead their sheep to new pastures. But 
Um, Dennis said they're outside. They're outside a lot. They're kind of outside all the time. Um, they make their living living with their sheep, and so they are always present to their sheep. They're always near their sheep, and they're always present to their sheep. They also name their sheep, um, which is pretty incredible. And the sheep know their name, and the sheep know that when their name is called to come to the shepherd, they know the shepherd's voice. It's pretty amazing. And so if you and I were to go beside a shepherd and just start calling out sheep's name, the sheep would ignore us because we're not the shepherd, and they don't know our voice, but they would know the shepherd's voice and their name as it correlates to the shepherd. And so that's pretty kind of amazing fact about that. And then they also, like, they provide for their flock, they protect their flock, but they also steward the earth. They're just men and women of stewardship because what they would do is that they would move them from pasture to pasture, not to over, <coughs> um, overgraze a certain part of pasture so they'd be able to move to another place so that this place where they were grazing would be able to provide new life and not just be completely decimated. And then they'd be able to go to a new place and they would kind of cycle between these different pastures that they knew would be alive and fertile. And so they took care of the land that they were on as they also took care of the sheep. And so these shepherds, they were some smart dudes and women because we had shepherds and shepherdess. And they love their sheep and they dedicate their lives to taking care of these animals that are, quite frankly, kind of dumb. I mean, for as much as they know their name and can hear the shepherd's voice, outside of that, sheep don't know a whole lot. And they can wander away even with the sheepfold right in front of them. They can be like, where am I going? I'm going over here. And so it's important as the shepherd to keep the sheep together and moving them and guiding them to a place of life and protection and provision. And that's what we find kind of in this profession that is a shepherd. And so what I want us to see this morning, kind of for the first time or maybe for the thousandth time, that God is our good shepherd. And I want us to go to Psalm 23, and I also want us to go to John chapter 10. And so I'm going to read both of these two for us, and I'm going to look it up in real time with you here. So Psalm 23, and we'll jump to John 10. And these passages reveal and testify to us how God is our shepherd. So Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then when we move to the New Testament, we find that God reveals himself <laughs> as shepherd through his Son, Jesus. And so Jesus, as he's talking to the disciples, he says this, starting uh, chapter 10, starting in verse 14. He says this, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not in this fold, and I must bring them in also, and they shall listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, 
The Father loves me because I lay down my life and I take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. And I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This is the charge that I have received from my Father. And then jumping down to verse 27, says this. He says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You guys pray with me. Dear God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we have together to dig into your word, to hear from your word how you are the good shepherd. And God, even though we are removed from shepherding and we really don't know a thing about it experientially, God, I pray that we would know it and experience through relationship with you. That we would know what it is to be shepherded and to what it is to be under the care of your good shepherding, God. God, I pray that we would hear from you this morning and that you would lead us and guide us into the green pastures that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. And so what's amazing is that in these passages, God reveals himself as shepherd to these people whose history is found in shepherding. And so when we look at the end of Genesis, when Joseph and his family are moving to Egypt, he says, hey, my father and my forefathers, they were shepherds. And the Egyptians are like, hey, that's cool and everything, but we actually can't have you inside of our city here, and we need you to go over to Goshen, and that's where you guys can set up camp, because we find actually your work really detestable. But yet, the people of God have always kind of found their history in this art and act of shepherding. It was their profession, and so unlike us who have never experienced it, they knew shepherding in their bones. It's what they did. It's what their forefathers did. It's what their sons were and daughters were going to do. It's kind of who they were, and there's a lot of identity wrapped up into what we do, right? When you go somewhere and someone asks who you are, normally what comes shortly after is what you do. And that's an okay thing to identify ourselves with, and the people of God were identified as shepherds, and God's intentions as shepherds weren't necessarily to always shepherd physical sheep, but to one day shepherd the world. And we see that come to a realization through the psalm kind of here in Psalm 23, but even more so in the coming of Christ in John chapter 10, where Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his people so that all people might come. And I love that part where Jesus is like, look, there's some sheep that are supposed to be in this fold and they're not here yet. And I'm going to bring them in. And I think that in this context, in this place, he's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about you and me. And so in this place, Jesus comes and he seeks us out and he brings us in to his family, into this family where he is the good shepherd, where he wants to lead and take care of us. And so when we look at shepherding, there's kind of three different things that I see in this verse. And as we look at kind of the profession of shepherding, that is important to kind of note and highlight and that I want us to see this morning in this text. And so there are three things that a shepherd does. And the first one is that the shepherd provides for his sheep. The second is that the shepherd provides protection for his sheep. He protects his sheep. And then the third thing is that the shepherd provides peace to his sheep um, through both provision and protection. And so I kind of want to go through these three, the three P's of shepherding here, protection, 
provision and peace and kind of see how God does this throughout this passage. And so the first one is the provision. God provides for his people. And what's amazing is that I love how this Psalm 23 starts. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a statement of like, I am not going to need to be in want. And the question that I always ask after reading that statement is, why? Why am I not going to be in want? Why can you say that statement that I am not going to be in need, that I'm not going to be in want because God is this this good shepherd? And he continues in the psalm and he says, because my God leads me to green pastures and still waters. And so God brings us to this place of rest. He brings us to this place where the field is ripe, where we can graze and become full, where the water is still, and where we are not going to be afraid of it. Sheep are really terrified of water, but when it comes to the still water, it's able for them to be, for it to be drink, for their souls to be refreshed. And in verse 3, we see that the reason why he does all this is for the refreshment of our souls. And so God is providing. We see in John chapter 10 that Jesus provides for us eternal life, that God wants us to live this life for all that it's worth, for all that we have in it. And he wants to live it to have us live it to the fullest. So God is the giver of life, not just through physical means, but also just through the experience that is life. He wants to give it, and he wants to give it to the point to where it never runs out. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us, why are you so worried? Why are you so anxious? Do you not know that I am the good father who takes care of the birds, who takes care of the fields? How much more am I going to take care of you? And so I'm encouraged and I'm refreshed that our God is the God who leads us to these places of green pastures and of still waters that our soul might be refreshed, that we might encounter and enter in to rest because i don't know about you but i need that i need to be able to be led into a place to where i can rest because if i'm left to my own devices i'm just going to work 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 i'm going to try and find my value and all that i can do 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 and i need a god who can shepherd me and say hey i've provided this space for you i'm going to protect it i'm going to steal it And it's going to be a place where you can just trust and be. Because that's what the sheep did. The sheep had no real agenda. They went where the shepherd led them. And when they got to green grass, they just ate until they were full. And then they laid down in the grass. And they laid there some more. And then when they got hungry, they ate some more. And then they laid some more. And that's kind of all the sheep had to do. And then when things started to get a little sparse or (laughs) there was danger coming, the shepherd would then grab the sheep he would either protect them in that space or he'd grab the sheep and he'd move them to a new pasture. The life of the sheep was actually really simple under the care of a good shepherd. Which then leads us kind of to this place of protection. Our God is a God who protects. And as any good shepherd, shepherds have some tools. We talked about kind of the rod and the staff. Now, the rod and the staff were both for guiding and saving sheep. The the staff with the hook on it was to save sheep from peril who might have fallen out of reach of the shepherd, who might have gotten stuck. And the rod was in that place (laughs) to be able to ward off predators. 
to keep the sheep safe, to keep the sheep secure. And the shepherd would willingly kind of give up his life for the sake of the sheep, or he would at least give everything he had to ward off the enemy, to ward off the predators against the sheep to make sure that they were protected. And so we see in this psalm that our God has this rod and this staff. And it says that they comfort us. And I think that this comfort moves us a little bit into peace here for a second around that like when you know that someone's got your back, when you know that you are safe, that you are secure, that someone is going to fight your battles on your behalf. There's a peace that comes along with that. And there's a comfort that comes along with that. And so this rod and staff are uh, instruments of defense and protection, but they're also in their protecting instrument of peace. Peace to the sheep. What I love is in John chapter 10, verse 28, we see the protection that Jesus provides for us. And he says that no one will be able to snatch you out of my hand. And then he repeats himself and he says, even further, no one's going to be able to snatch you out of my father's hand because I and the father are one. If you want to talk about security, if you want to talk about protection, talk about the God, the whole world in his hands. And that we are in his hands and that he is wanting to hold us, he's wanting to secure us, that he wants to bring us in a deep relationship with him and when we enter into a relationship with him that there is no kind of like getting out of that he's going to hold us tight that we are not going to be able to be snatched away from him that should lead us to this place of peace this place of protection and i believe that it's through this provision that god gives in our life through physical means as we've all kind of been provided for kind of in abundance and provision physically here in America, here where we live, and that's great, and we thank God for it. But we've also been able to see and testify the ways that God has protected us from mistakes, protected us from missteps, miscalculations. I think if we all look back far enough, we all have a story that we can tell where God has saved us, where we have felt the truth that we have been secured in God's hands, and that he has protected us from self. And it's because of that provision and that protection that we can have peace, that we can trust that there is peace in the hand of God. In this place of rod and staff, they also guide. The rod and the staff that are on providing comfort, not only do they provide a defense, but they're also objects to guide. Every once in a while, sheep that's getting out of line, they're going to receive a little tap, maybe a little whack on the shoulder to just say, hey, Come this way. Come this direction. Hey, you, come this direction. We're going to try and stay on this path here. And what I love is that the, the psalmist David, he's able to articulate this so well. He says, and you lead me on paths of righteousness. And I believe that's this rod and the staff that trying to nudge us here and nudge us there. And I think we all know it. We've all felt these nudges and these tinges and these, these kind of like intangible things to say, I think God is speaking to me here. I think God is moving me here, I think God's trying to, to move us in this path here. And, and when we submit to that, we find that there is life, that there is peace, and that there is truth there. And that this is what the good shepherd does, that the good shepherd moves us always to a place of life and flourishing because his care is always to put the care of his sheep first. 
The shepherd always has the best intentions and care for his sheep. And so we see this in how our God shepherds. Now in this place and in this psalm, kind of in this story, it's not always green pastures and still waters, right? There is this place called the valley of the shadow of death. And the reality is is that, like Jeff said earlier, is that there's going to be a time where the sheep have begun to come close to overgrazing the area that they're at. And they're going to have to move. And the good shepherd, for the sake of the sheep, is going to move them. But if you're a sheep, you're like, this is great. There's food here. There's still food here. There's water here. I'm resting. My soul is being restored. Why would I want to move? And the shepherd's going to say, no, we need to get up and go. We need to get up and go because what I have planned for you is this other pasture where there's more life. Because if we're going to stay here, if I were to let you stay here, we're going to kill this place and not be able to return to it. And then you're going to be the next thing that dies here. Because in decimating the place, you're going to become weak You're going to become frail, and you're not going to be able to have the strength to make the journey to the next pasture. And so sometimes this pasture, from pasture to pasture, requires going through this place called the valley of the shadow of death. And in this place, David says, I fear no evil. I think that he's able to say confidently that he fears no evil is because he trusts the good shepherd. He trusts that the shepherd is has his best interest in provision, that the shepherd has his best interest in protection, and that the shepherd has his best interest in peace. And so even though it's going to be hard, even though it's going to be difficult, even though we're going to go through this incredible darkness where fear can creep in and where we can feel the absence of peace, the absence of protection, and the absence of provision, David is trying to affirm with us it's in those places that we have to trust that the shepherd is good and that he has our best intentions and that he's leading us to a new place where there's new growth and new provision waiting for us there. I have this story once when I was a uh, a camp counselor at a camp. And uh, the irony of the whole thing is that my official job title was shepherd. It was my job to kind of shepherd these kids. And when we're talking about kids, we're talking fourth to sixth graders, all right? So I had a cabin of 12 fourth to sixth graders um, with kind of three other co-leaders or co-shepherds around me. They're kind of like the shepherd's posse, and the, <laughs> they're kind of my subordinates. And, um, but we, what we would do is that it was our job to like keep these 12 kids together in line. Now, it was one of the late, last weeks of camp, and so we're getting tired. We want to do something special. We want to do something fun for these kids, and uh, this camp has an outpost camp. So there's a place, kind of this, this cabin circle, where all the other <laughs> fourth to sixth graders are. And what we want to do is for a night is we want to go out into the woods about a mile into the outpost camp. And now the outpost camp is where the teenagers got to camp. It's where they got to be and they got to have a, an adventure. And there's this awesome hut out there with no electricity, no water. And it was just kind of like this kind of extreme version of camping that the camp offered and I got permission from the camp director. I was like, hey, can I take my kids out to Outpost? And what I want to do is I want to lead them through the night. We're going to do a night hike, and we're going to have no flashlights, and we're going to be able to see what we can see through the darkness. 
And we're going to be amazed at God's creation and the stars in the night. And this is going to be just an awesome, encouraging, amazing experience for these kids. All right? So I'm, we're talking up this all week. Guys, you guys are special. No one else in all of camp, not even the kids here, are going to be able to do this. We provided this special experience for you guys. They're going to bring breakfast out to us. We're not going to have to walk all the way in and eat in the cafeteria. Like, we have catered this thing for you and for you had an experience that no one else in this camp is going to have. And they're, they're getting excited. They're like, yeah, 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 until it's time to do it. So it's like 11, 10 o'clock at night, and we have to hike a mile in darkness. And guess what the rule was? No flashlights. No flashlights. Because what I wanted the kids to see is how far they could see and how much they could see in this place of perceived darkness. And there was a pretty wide path to guide us there. And so for about 99% of the hike, the kids are doing good. They're doing all right. They're a little afraid. They're a little scared. There's some raccoons rustling, you know, in the woods right beside them. But we're keeping it together. And the whole way, we're like affirming. We're singing some songs to be encouraged throughout this whole thing. And I'm like, guys, it's going to be so awesome when we get there. Now, the thing that I had forgotten, the thing that I didn't even realize is that probably the last 200 feet at least, maybe 50 yards of this path was kind of like through this very thick wooded area to where the light of the moon and the light of the stars was not going to be sufficient to see anything. (laughs) And so we've got some kids. We're a mile in. They're getting tired. They're afraid. They've heard enough things rustle. They're like, this isn't fun anymore. And now it's about to get not even more fun. Because we're about to enter into the kind of dark abyss that is. It was so dark that I couldn't see what was in front of me. But I had traveled the path. I had been there before. I had traveled this path all summer. I knew what was in front of me, even though I could not see anything in front of me. I couldn't even see my hand in front of me. And so I'm just thinking (laughs) what it's going to be like to be these kids. I was like, oh, shoot. We've really, we've really done it in. Um, and so what we had is we had the kids grab hands. Boom, 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 boom. And we put the other shepherds kind of along the way to make sure that we were evenly dispersed. I'm like, all right, guys, we're not going to be able to see a thing, but we need to hold on to one another. And once we break through to the other side, our cabin's going to be there, and there's going to be safety and security, and we're going to have a great time. I've got kids crying. I'm like, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We grab hands. I put my hand out in front of me and we walk the 50 yards, and then through the trees, it just bursts open. There are the stars, there are the moon, and it's shining on the cabin, and the kids make it through, and you've got a kid. <laughs> you know? I mean, he's like, he just did the most brave thing, the most scariest thing in his whole life, and you just give him a hug, and you're like, look, you did it, and we're here. And we got into the cabin, and we told stories, and we had a great time. We had breakfast delivered out to us in the next one, and they're like, we're so glad we did that. You know, they go back to the camp. You wouldn't believe what we did last night. We walked through the darkness. You couldn't see anything, and we made it, and it was okay, and we had a blast. And this, my friends, is what it looks like to be led by the Good Shepherd and to go through the valley of the shadow of death because we've all been there. We've all been that little kid who's just... And you even make it to the other side where it's like clear and the fields open up and everything's good and you're just like, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be good because that was terrifying. You couldn't, they couldn't see me. 
where they could hear me, and I was present to them, and I was near to them, and I was definitely responsible for all of them. If I had a kid go missing in that time, I'd have been in deep trouble. And we would have sent out a search party. We would have sent out a rescue party. They, they would have been found. Our God is like this good shepherd. Our God is the good shepherd. And I want to praise him for being the good shepherd this morning, even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because I believe that if you find yourself in the valley, that there is pasture coming. And maybe you're just in the beginning of this place. Maybe you're just at this place where God is trying to poke you and he's trying to move you and he's using his rod and his staff. And he's like, well, you got to go. It is time to go because if you stay in this place, it's not only going to destroy this place, but it's going to destroy you and the people around you. And we need to move. And I have greater things for you, but it's going to be painful. And it's going to be painful for a number of reasons. One, because we like to be comfortable where we are, like the sheep. It can be painful because we lack vision for where we're going. <laughs> Even as much as I tried to sell this vision to the kids of what this outpost camp was going to be like and how special and how awesome it was, it meant nothing when they couldn't see what was right, when there was nothing in front of their face, when they could not see the hand in front of their face. It meant nothing. They were overwhelmed, and we get into that place too where we're like, we don't know where we're going. We feel lost, and this is where we need the body of Christ to be able to hold on to one another and grab each other's hands and be led by one another who's being led by the shepherd to this place of truth and of life and of goodness. It might look like being led to a place where you don't initially want to go, and the whole time you might be questioning God's provision, God's protection, and God's peace. Like for you to leave whatever it is that he's calling you to leave or for you to move to whatever it is that he's calling you to move to, it might cause you to question, like, is God really going to provide for us for where we feel like God is moving us to? And that's going to rock your peace. You might be questioning, is God going to protect us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Is he going to protect this relationship if we move in this direction that we believe that God is calling us to move in? And that's going to rock your peace. But nonetheless, if God is calling, if God is leading, if God is this good shepherd, we have to move and we have to trust even when it looks like going through the valley of the shadow of death. And maybe you're there in the middle of it and you just need to be reminded that he is there with you. That he is there. No matter how dark it has gotten, even if you cannot see the hand in front of your face, he is there and he is near. And maybe this valley has caused you that you need to have rest that actually, uh, as you go through the valley, you need to find that peace that David has found where he says, and I will fear no evil. And I will fear no evil. Maybe that just needs to be your prayer as you go. Maybe you need to make that command your prayer and just say, in the middle of this, I'm going to fear no evil. God, help my unbelief in the middle of this place. We need to trust that he's moving us for the sake of life. That at the end of this thing, that is gut-wrenching, that's soul-sucking, that's exhausting, that's excruciating, that it's incredibly painful and difficult, that God is there with us through it. He's experiencing it with us and through it. He's even leading us, guiding us through it, and that there is going to be life and renewal and refreshment on the back end of that thing. And throughout that, maybe you feel like you need to begin to wander. You, need to, you find yourself straying. And you need to trust that God is near, that he knows your name, that he's calling your name, and that he's going to rescue you no matter where you think you're going. And that he wants to bring you back into his fold and bring you back into a place where he has 
to bring you. I believe that God wants to bring us to places of life and of flourishing and of joy, even if it looks right now like the darkest thing that we've ever experienced. And we feel lonely and we feel isolated because that's what darkness does. That's what the valley of the shadow of death does to us, is it makes us feel alone and it makes us feel like, where has my shepherd gone? And I just want to remind us that he is near and he knows your name and he's calling us forward through it and that he loves us. And so our God, he is this good shepherd. He is fighting our battles on our behalf. I love, love, love the story in Exodus where he tells Moses, today I am going to deliver you. He doesn't tell the Israelites to do anything other than to walk through the Dead Sea that he opens up, the Red Sea that he opens up for them. And he says, and today I'm going to deliver you from the hands of the Egyptians, and he does. This is what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd leads us, and he delivers us, and he fights his battles, and he lays down his life willingly for us. And the beautiful thing is that he has the power to bring himself up again. That when our shepherd lays down his life, we don't lose a shepherd, and we don't just become lost sheep who have to fend for ourselves, but no, our shepherd returns to us and he offers us provision, strength, and peace. And so in light of all of this, in light of who our God is as the good shepherd, I think the question then is, is what does it mean to be sheep? And for the sake of just kind of like ease and clarity, the shepherd is three things. The shepherd is this provider. This <laughs> um, He gives yeah, provision, peace, and protection, we as sheep, we are kind of, we need to do kind of three things as well. And the first one is that we need to say help, we need to hear, and we need to be a people of hope. And so as sheep, I think as sheep, the way we respond to this good shepherd is help, hear, and hope. And if you think about it, this thing of help is important because we need to be able to admit that we need help. I mean, as sheep, as sheep, bah, it's almost like, help, help. I mean, like, that's kind of what you're crying out, right? It's just this help. I can't manage it on my own, right? Like, I can't make it. I need help wherever I go. And so that's like what the state of the sheep is constantly in. He's constantly proclaiming it everywhere he goes, help. That's what he's doing. That's the nature of the sheep. And we need to get into that place. We need to get to be in the place of that sheep where we are crying out for help and we understand that we are in a place of... <laughs> dependence upon our shepherd. And that is a really hard thing for us to do, especially as Americans, because in America, we value independence. We have a day that celebrates our independence. We have children that want their independence. We value and strive for independence. And if you're going to be dependent upon anything that is seen as bad and that you need recovery, and that you need to be set free, and that you need to become independent of whatever that thing is that you're dependent upon, but the reality is that as sheep that need help, we need to be dependent upon the shepherd that is good. And that is a humbling and difficult place for us to be and for us to put ourselves in. But we need help because at the end of the day, sheep are dumb. Sheep are prone to getting lost and distracted. And at the end of the day, they don't survive long on their own. And for as strong as we think we are or for as strong as we think we need to be, we're a lot like these sheep, like this song. I mean, like this, this description describes me. And it describes my heart. 
And so we need help, and we need to be able to admit that. That's the first thing. We are people that need to be like sheep and profess and confess our need for help. The second thing that we need to do is we need to open up our ears and hear. When you look at this verse in John 10, you hear the word hearing appear a lot. And especially around this idea that the sheep hear and know the shepherd's voice. And that the sheep hear and are led by his voice. And so we need to be a people that are hearing, that are listening, and that are on the lookout to hear God's voice calling you, calling you by name. And I believe that God has something to say to each of us and that God is calling us towards something. And I don't know what that is. I'm not God. I'm not here. But I believe that this morning that God is calling out to you, that he has something for you this morning, whether it's restoration, whether it's uh, reconciliation. I don't know. I don't know what God has for you this morning, but I believe that he is calling out your name and he wants you to know that he is loving you, that he is protecting you, and that he wants to provide peace for you and that he wants to guide you into these paths of righteousness. And so I just want to ask the question this morning, what is God saying to you? What is God speaking to you? Do you hear his voice this morning? And we need to trust that he is leading us to these places of rest, that he is leading us to these places of restoration, and he is leading us to these places of health. And I find that when we're on our own, these are the places that we are unable to achieve on our own. And then finally, we are a people that have hope. We need to be a people that have hope in our good shepherd, that when we're going through this valley of the shadow of death, that in the middle of all of that, that he is our protection, that he is our provision, and that he is our peace. And that we are a people of hope who give hope to other people. That we're a people that say, my hope is in the Lord and where he is leading. And even though everything looks backwards and sideways right now in the middle of my life, I believe that God is walking me through it and that all of this is going to be for his glory and for his name's sake, as he has told us in David through the Psalms. And so we have to be a people of deep, deep hope. And I think the, re- the place that we get to that, to where we get to this place of, of sheep that, are help, that need help, that hear from God, and that hope in God, is that we have to be reminded that we are not the shepherd. That we are not the shepherd. And so this morning I want to ask, how have you tried to control your own protection? How have you tried to control your own provision? How have you tried to control your own peace in an effort to avoid needing help, in an effort to avoid hearing from God, in an effort to avoid having to find your hope in Him? How have we given our hope to this independence instead of dependence on the one who is good and the one who leads and the one who does provide, protect, and give peace? We are not the shepherd. And we so desperately want to be shepherds of our own lives. But I think the message this morning is that we have a shepherd and he is infinitely good. And so we get to be sheep. We get to be sheep that are led into his pasture, who get to eat and rest and be full, who get to have their souls restored. And we get to be sheep that are led to new and exciting and greater places than we are right now. Because our God is good, and our God loves us, and our God wants to give us eternal life and hope through his Son, Jesus Christ. So we 
are not the shepherd. Say it with me. We are not the shepherd. We are not the shepherd. All right. I just want to make sure that's clear because there's so much in us that wants to be the shepherd that we have to beat that out of us. And we have to turn and say, I am not the shepherd, but instead I need help. And allow that to be our prayer. Allow that to be our call. In the middle of that needing help, that we would find hope. And that we would find peace. And that we would find rest in the good shepherd that our God is. So I want to praise him for that this morning. We're going to take some time. We're going to have communion. We're going to have some time of worship to just celebrate and make much of God, who is the good shepherd, who provides for us, who protects us, and who gives us peace. And where we find ourselves secure in our identity as sheep. And we get to celebrate that, that we are his sheep, and that we are in his fold, and that we are in his pasture. Let's give him incredible praise this morning as we close. Dear Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. We thank you that you lead us through the valleys or the shadow of death in our lives. And God, for those who are here in the middle of that this morning, God, I pray that you would give us incredible strength of faith and of hope and that we would hear your voice and that we would sense your presence and that we would know that you're providing protection for us. Even when all things feel sideways and broken and tough and wrong, that we would know that you're standing there with us in the middle of that. And God, if we are in this place where you have provided peace and you've provided rest, God, I pray that we would eat and be full, and that we would have permission to just stop and rest and know your peace and know your provision. God, I pray that we would meditate on you this week as our good shepherd, no matter where we find ourselves, knowing that you are in control and that we are in desperate need of help and hope in you. We love you and we give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen.